Amen, amen. Well, good morning, Crossroads. It is good to see you this morning. If you have your Bible, I want you to open up to Luke chapter 2 as we move into the Christmas season. So enjoy the Christmas music and so grateful for uh, all the efforts and energy and time that uh, our drama folks and musicians have have put in. I want to encourage you to give them an extra big thank you if you see them over the next few weeks because uh, they have put in a lot of extra hours and I hope that you will come out tonight uh, if at all possible, 5 o'clock, bring a neighbor, bring a friend. I promise you, you'll laugh. It's a great way to hear the Christmas story, the real Christmas story in a non-threatening way and to uh, find and experience the peace of Christmas. Interesting that we're talking about peace. Anybody in here ever been afraid? You ever been terrified? I was getting ready for bed just a few weeks ago, and some of you who watch us on social media, Lynette and I already know this story, but you weren't there, so I'll give you the first-hand account. Uh, she's taking a hot bath. I'm almost asleep, and I hear this blood-curdling yell from the bathroom, and I thought, okay, did she fall? Did she cut her leg off. I mean, what, what's going on? I'm freaking out. I jump up out of the bed, swing open the bathroom door, and all she could do is point. She's pointing. She said, there he went. There he went. And I'm like, did an intruder you know, come into the house and I didn't see him? Did a robber come in? Where is Who is he? Who is he? And she goes, no, he, about this big, he went running across the bathroom floor. And I finally realized she's talking about Mickey Mouse. Mickey Mouse apparently had snuck in when we left the door open, I guess, for the dog to come in and out. So I'm trying to find this mouse, and about 30 minutes later, after our closet has just been ransacked, it looked like we'd been robbed after I got through. I mean, we're trying to find this thing. She's still, this, at this point, in the tub. Finally, she gets dressed. She, I come out of the closet. She's standing on the sink. I'm thinking, wow, I'm impressed with your athleticism. I had no idea. And so she's standing on the counter waiting for me to find this mouse. The bathroom door is shut. And so I'm like, well, we've got to put towels under this door or he's going to come find. I mean, that's the quickest mouse I'd ever seen. I mean, lightning. I mean, if I could train that mouse and take it on the road, I'd make a fortune. And so finally we chase it out of the closet and I see it going for the door. And I'm like, if it gets under the door, we have, we, we're, we're done. We're done. And sure enough, I'm trying to get the towel over there. And before I knew it, I mean... Down and under, he is gone. I open the door into the bedroom, he is, that guy is gone. And um, I'd love to tell you that we found it, we haven't. So this afternoon at 4 o'clock, we're having a church-wide scavenger hunt, if you want to come. I'm sure he found his way out the next time the door is open, but, but she was terrified, a, li a little bit terrified. I don't know if you've ever been scared. I was with another friend, and I'm, I'm hoping he may be watching uh, by the live stream uh, a dear friend of mine who moved to uh, Colorado and then recently he moved from there to Idaho. But we used to travel together. And I used to like to have fun, fun with him because he was pretty gullible. And when we would travel through the airports like Detroit Airport, if you've ever been through Detroit Airport, you know to get from the main terminal, A, over to B and C, you go down this long escalator and you go through this tunnel. And for those of us who grew up in the disco era, we kinda, I kind of like it because there's all these flashing lights in the tunnel that are going through as you're riding the, the uh, moving sidewalk over to the other uh, concourse. And we were together one time and we're going down the, 
uh, down, down the terminal. All the flashing lights are going on, and he's kind of looking around. He goes, what in the world is all this? And I said, well, after you fly, you, this is his first flight. I said, after you fly, you, on the plane, you, your body builds up radiation. So you have to come down the escalator. I'm bad. You have to come down the escalator and come through this tunnel with all these flashing lights. And it's taking the radiation off of you before you get on your next flight. And he was like, really? 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 And so finally he could, he could see me shaking, I guess, as I'm riding the, the conveyor belt, the, the moving sidewalk in front of him. And he goes, you're, you're messing with me, aren't you? I said, yes, I am, and I'm having fun. <laughs> so I don't know if you've ever been terrified, but the story we're going to look at today uh, we, we skim through some of the stories of Christmas and we don't really put ourselves in uh, the emotional and in the, the sensory spot of some of the folks that we read about. And we're going to read a story today about some guys who were terrified. I mean, we talk about uh, things that happen in our world. I think about 9-11. I think about the word terror. That's what these guys were facing on this night that we're going to read about. We skim over it and think that they were just like, you know, surprised, maybe like a mouse came running by. No, that they were terrified at what had happened and what was happening during this story. If you've got your Bible, Luke chapter 2, we're just going to look at a few verses. Uh, Mary has given birth to her firstborn son, Jesus, has been born. And here's what we read, verse 8. There were shepherds. Living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were terrified. Some translations say terribly frightened. Verse 10, the angel said to them, Don't be afraid, I bring you good news, or good tidings, for all people that will cause great joy for all the people. Verse 11, today... In the city of David, there's been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. He's the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. I want to talk to you today about how not to be afraid. How do we be not afraid in a world where there is fear and terror and things all around us that make us fearful? I'm not talking about little rodents like mice. Or mosquitoes, or bugs, or things like that. I'm talking about things that really scare us and rock us. I'm talking about uh, times in our marriages, perhaps, where things are rocky and we're really terrified. We're scared. Can Can I be vulnerable with you guys? Our world is great at terrifying us. Trying to make us fearful and scared. Sometimes it's legitimate, sometimes it's not. As you get to know Lynette and I over the next 50 years, Lord willing, you'll find out that we have, uh, we're not perfect, number one, you hope you already discovered that, but in 24 years, we celebrate 24 years of marriage coming up on the 14th of this month, which is a miracle that she's put up with me that long, 24 years, wow, she needs an award. But during those 24 years, she would say, uh, and I would say, we've had some couple of rocky spots at least. And we were scared. Terrified. We've had challenges with our children, just like you've had if you had children, where we were scared, we were terrified. How do you get through that? How do you be not afraid? This is a great story to discover some of those things that can help us 
not to be afraid. So I want us to look at it together and I hope that you like me will find encouragement in this great story of Christmas. Because the angels, where these shepherds are, they're staying out in their fields in most translations. And we'll get to this in a minute. If you actually study the Greek, the shepherds were not just staying in the fields. They were living in the fields. Why? Because that's what shepherds do. They were shepherds. They were keeping watch over their flocks. Not just by night, but by day. And in the midst of this situation, they're terrified because an angel of the Lord appears. Now, you and I read that just like... We have an angel appear every night for dinner at our house, sometimes the way we read it. This was remarkable. It it terrified them. It scared them. An angel of the Lord appeared and said to them, Behold, I bring you great news. Don't be afraid. I have great news for you. Literally, the original language, some translations say, I bring you good tidings, I bring you good news, I bring you good news of great joy. Really, the very first Preachers of the gospel, the very first evangelist was an angel. Because the angel said, I come to bring you good news of Christ, the Savior, the Messiah. We don't know all the conversation. We know what Luke recorded here, but enough to know that the angel was the one that got to liver, got the opportunity to deliver this good news. So the first thing I'd say to you today, if you want to be not afraid, I want to encourage you today to receive the good news. The good news of the gospel, the good news of Jesus. Now, we live in a world right now where the good news is hard to receive. We're skeptical of good news because most of the time, the breaking news bulletin that we see on television or in social media is bad news. When was the last time you saw good news breaking? I haven't seen breaking good news in a long time. I came across this story. Uh, says Florida man. Now, those of us who have been around and on the planet a while know that sometimes when we see the news and it says Florida man, it's like here comes the weird story because we normally the Florida man stories are really weird. Some of you may remember uh, some of these headlines. Florida man says he danced on a patrol car in order to escape vampires. I don't know if you remember that story. That's Florida man. Florida man. Florida man says uh, he still stole his neighbor's peacock because he was charged by angry birds. I mean, these are some of the crazy stories of Florida. But, but recently, there was a good story that came out of Florida. It said this, Florida man number one, Corey Snyder, when it was time to let go of his late grandmother, uh, his car from his great late grandmother that had been given to him after he'd been in an auto accident, he wanted to do something nice with it. It was a 1997 Ford Crown Victoria. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Some of you are going, no way. I'm going, yes, awesome, awesome. Over 100,000 miles were on this car from his grandmother's great physical appearance. And so he found out, okay, I'm going to give this car away. So he just put out everywhere, hey, there's this car I'm going to give away. He was swamped with requests for this car. After he sifted through them, he decided to give his car away to Florida man number two, who was a 31-year-old substitute teacher named Mark Selby, who had been in an automobile accident and totaled his car And was living basically paycheck to paycheck and couldn't afford another car. And so Selby was interviewed by the Tampa Bay Times when he got the phone call. He said, I thought I was going to cry because here somebody was giving me an automobile. Well, another Florida man, number three, heard about this. His name was Marcel Gruber in St. Petersburg. And so when he heard about what Snyder was going to do, Corey was going to do with giving his car away, he said, I'll make it even better. I'll put 400 bucks cash in the glove box so he can cover his taxes and his registration. 
Little did they know that this young guy's dream, who was to receive this car, was to one day build a home for abandoned children. And to get this gift out of the blue of transportation when he had none was a really, really big deal. That's some pretty good news. You didn't hear that on the media because it's kind of buried down. We don't talk about good news. Folks, that's good news, but can I share something with you today? There's even better news than that. The God of the universe sent his only son as a baby in a manger to grow up to become a man to save all mankind. That's the best news ever given. And if you want to be able to live your life not being afraid, I want to encourage you, receive the good news of Jesus, the good news of God. Because he loves you. And he has a plan for you. And it's incredible good news. There's this song I've been listening to on the radio. It says, the best news ever. Here's some of the lyrics. Some say, don't give up. And hope that your good is good enough. Keep your head down. Keep on working. If you can earn it, you deserve it. And some people say, push on through. After all, that's the least that you can do. But don't buy what they're selling because it could be further from the truth. Some say, don't ask for help. God only helps the ones who help themselves. Press on. Just get it right yourself. Otherwise, you'll get left behind. Some say, the Lord is keeping score. So try harder. Try a little bit more. But hold up, because if that was true, explain to me what the cross is for. Then here's the chorus. What if I were to tell you the fight's already been won? I think your day's about to get better. What if I were to tell you the work's already been done? That's not good news. It's the best news ever. Why are we squelching the best news ever? Do not let the world, the media, try to make us be terrified and live in fear and be frightened and scared and anxious and afraid when we know there's good news. I want to encourage you to receive the good news today. I'm not just talking about receiving the good news of grace for the first time and stepping from death to life and accepting Christ as your Lord and Messiah. That's good if you have done that. And if you haven't, that's the first step. But some of us friends in this room are hurting. And we need to receive the good news, the best news ever, as it applies to our work and our family and our job and our spouse and our kids. Because the gospel works for everything or it doesn't work at all. And it's good news. And for the first time on the planet, these shepherds are hearing this good news. The first preacher of the gospel, an angel. Amazing. Why is it good news? Well, it's good news for a lot of reasons. It's good news because it benefits all of us. The angel says this. The angel of the Lord stands before them and says to them, Hey, don't be afraid. Be not afraid. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which shall be for all people. So it's good news because it benefits all of us. It benefits Jews and Gentiles alike. It benefits those who trust in the Messiah of Israel and those who trust in the Savior of the world. But here's why else it's good news. It's good news because for the first time ever on the planet, perfect love has been dropped into a manger in the form of a baby. Perfect love. And the scripture tells me that perfect love casts out all fear. 
So if you want to live a life not being afraid, you know what you have to do? You have to receive the good news. And the reason it's good news is because it's perfect love. Perfect love demonstrated through the God of the universe, God incarnate, the end of fear, the beginning of peace. The sleeping baby in the manger who would grow up to be a man who would become the prince of peace. He was the prince of peace. Nobody knew it yet. But would become to be identified as the prince of peace. Amazing. Amazing good news. So I want to encourage you today, if you are struggling and you're saying, you know what, life has got me terrified. Can I just tell you, number one, I identify with you. Because that is the world's strategy right now. Because if the world and the enemy of the world, who we know is Satan, can keep those of us who know Jesus terrified and scared and paralyzed, what happens? We don't move forward. We stay frozen in position. And meanwhile, the Holy Spirit, the creator of the world, God in charge, the Holy Spirit through us who know him, who's calling us to move forward and trust him, we're frozen. And the enemy's happy about that because we are living life afraid. I want to encourage you today, if you are finding yourself in that position and you're wondering, how can I be not afraid? Receive the good news. Receive the good news. But here's the second thing that is very interesting. And friends, in 30 plus years of being in ministry, the first time I actually read the truth of this was this past week. And here's what, if we look closely, here's what the Bible says. The angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them. The glory of the Lord shone about them and they were terrified. And the angel said, do not be afraid for behold, I bring you good news of great joy which shall be for all the people. For today in the city of David there has been born, and then there's a couple of key words depending on what translation you have. Some translations say, there has been born to you a baby, a son. Some translations say it's been born for you. The more accurate translation is, is that there is a baby that is born to you. The angel says there's a baby that's born to you. Folks, don't miss this. Don't go to sleep on me. You're going to miss it. The angel's saying, there's been a born, born a baby to you. Now, this is not saying, oh, the Savior of the world is coming for all people. The angel says that later. The reason it's so important that the angel says, the baby that has born, been born to you, the angel could have just as easily said, the angel's been born to Mary. Because Mary was carrying the baby, right? Or the angel could have said, the baby has been born to the family of David. But the angel says, the baby has been born to you. Which tells me something as you go back and you look at the original language of the Bible. Interpreters often leap to the point of saying, yeah, the Savior has been born to you, to all people, which is very true. That's true. But the storyteller, Luke here, is emphasizing that the baby is born to you. He's speaking to the shepherds. The, baby, the angel is saying the baby has been born to you as shepherds. The baby has been born to you. Why is that important? Well, it's important for this reason. If you want to be not afraid, you've got to do this, number two. You've got to remember you're part of a family. You're part of a family. If you know anything about Bible times and especially the birth of Christ, you'll know this. You'll know that as a class, shepherds had a bad reputation. They were perhaps the lowest of the low. Why? Because they're hanging out in the fields all the time. They're working with the smelly animals. They were not very popular. 
They weren't looked upon as, as having status. And a lot of times they brought that upon themselves because their attitude of just the way they would roam the land and taking care of the lambs and the sheep, that they were looked down upon. They were considered unreliable. They weren't allowed, if you go back and study Scripture, they weren't allowed to give testimony in a court of law. That's how kind of low of the low that they were. And yet here these angels are. They're out in the field. Verse 8 says they were living out in the fields. The original Greek word translated in that living out in the fields is a word that we get our word agriculture from, which is interesting. So the shepherds were living in the crop fields. Now don't miss this. I just learned this this past week. This is interesting. The shepherds with flocks of sheep could not enter crop fields during the spring and the summer. Now some of you that are farmers, you know this. Why would they not do that? They wouldn't enter the crop fields during spring or summer. Why? Because there was crops in the fields. And what would happen? The sheep would eat all the crops. And then the, sh the shepherds would really have a bad reputation because the farmers would run out there and beat them probably in the head and say, get these animals off of my crops. So they weren't there. Shepherds with the flocks of sheep could not enter the crop fields during spring or summer. And the winters were too cold for sleeping overnight outside. So the time of year, biblical scholars estimate, when the shepherds and the sheep could enter and stay in these crop fields, that the angel has just told us this is where the shepherds are living in the fields, was probably in the fall time of the year. Right after the harvest, when the farmer, farmers perhaps invited the shepherds into the fields with their flocks so that the sheep could clean their fields right by eating up all the straw. Here's what that means. You may find this intriguing, or maybe not. This means that more, more than likely, Jesus was probably born in the fall, not in December. Now, I don't want to burst your bubble, but it probably wasn't on December 25th. I know that's when we celebrate it, all right? Some of you, I know you're getting antsy already because you're going, now you're starting to mess with Christmas. No, I'm just telling you the truth. We celebrate Christmas on December 25th, but that probably wasn't the day actually Jesus was born. It probably was not in the wintertime. By the way, while I'm busting bubbles, let me go and tell you, there weren't just three wise men. We think there were three wise men because we talk about three gifts. And none of us would show up at a birthday party without a gift because that's the culture that we live in. But the Bible never says three wise men, it just says wise men. I'm getting some weird looks right now. Some of you are going, I got to go home and rearrange my Christmas decorations. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's important that we read the Bible story, the biblical account, and we get it correct. And I'm picking on those things just a little bit. But, but, but also, can I say to you, there are those outside the church that haven't trusted Christ that watch us do some of those things, and it caused them to question our sanity. Because we celebrate things that aren't even exactly the way the Bible is written. So be careful. I'm alright with having Christmas on the 25th. But just know, Jesus probably wasn't born on December 25th. It's okay. So more than likely, he was born in the fall. But what, why, what does all that have to do with anything? Here's why it's important. It's important because the angel includes in the announcement the lowest place and the lowest class at the time is who the announcement is made to about the birth of Jesus. Basically saying, guess what? Even you can be a part of the family of God. 
Even the shepherds are part of the family. We don't read all this. We just have what is recorded in the Bible. But more than likely what happened was after they heard this news, the shepherds go in to welcome the baby and to congratulate Mary and Joseph. We don't read all that story. I don't know. I don't want to read anything into the scripture. But wouldn't that be what you would think was happening? Here's a baby been born just as it's been born. And here the shepherds are. They hear the announcement. Let's go celebrate unto you, shepherds. A child is born to you. Amazing. They go in perhaps and they celebrate and they think about all the future accomplishments this little baby might have. The intellect this baby might have. The fact that maybe he looks like Uncle Oscar or he has piano hands. I don't know. I don't know what they thought. But they have the word of an army of angels because we know that after this first angel makes the pronouncement that suddenly a great host of angels appear. So they have the host of these angels proclaiming and announcing that the Messiah has come, that baby Jesus is there, which is amazing. I don't know about you, but I asked myself this question this week when I was reading this Bible, reading the Bible and the scripture. Why in the world of all the people that the angel could appear to to make the announcement that the Messiah of the world has come? Why in the world shepherds? Why shepherds? And then I started thinking about it a little bit. Who is more qualified than shepherds to welcome the Lamb of God into the world? Who's more qualified? It's amazing to think about it. And if you read in John's Gospel, John 1.29, Jesus is called the Lamb of God. The vast majority of people had no idea that this little baby born in a manger, the announcement being made by an angel who said, by the way, that's, uh, maybe I shouldn't bust that bubble. She, the angel said, do not be afraid. I bring you good. They didn't, the angel didn't sing. I know we like to think the angels sing, and maybe they do in other places in Scripture. But here the angel said, the angel proclaims and makes this announcement. Why is that important? What does that have to do with fear? Here's what it has to do with fear. Here's what it has to do with not being afraid. Remember, you are a part of a family. Satan's greatest tactic, I believe, in our world is to make us think we're all by our all by myself. That is Satan's greatest tactic. To make me think I'm all by, oh you're living the life by yourself. Nobody cares about you. Oh you struggle with that in your life. You struggle with that sin. Nobody else does. It's, you're all divide and conquer. Folks, we need to wake up because Satan is working his strategy out on that very exact thing right now in our world. Divide and conquer. Welcome to the divided states of America. That is what Satan is up to. And his next step is if he can get us divided politically and in our citizenry as far as Americans, let's get us divided as far as our faith. Mask versus no mask. Social distancing versus not social distancing. We need to be safe. We probably here at Crossroads need to be a little more intentional of being safe. But folks, be careful. His strategy has not changed in 2,000 years. Divide and conquer. And I want to encourage you today. Some of us are going through things where we feel like we're all alone. Nobody can relate. Oh, I'm going to be embarrassed. If the whole church knew I was struggling with this, they'd never invite me back. That is not true. That's a lie from the pit of hell. You are welcome here. Anybody, everybody is welcome in this place. 
Why? Because we want you to be a part of the family of God. We want you to be a part of the family of Crossroads too because so far of any church I've ever been in in my life, this is the best representation of the family of God. It's important. You go, Jack, you're getting a little jacked up. Well, that's because my name is Jack. You're getting a little excited. I am because this is so important. There are people out there that are looking for it. Guess what? There are people in here that are looking for it. We need to open our eyes. We're a part of our family. Part of my commitment to you as one of the pastors, and I think I can speak for all of our staff, is we are willing to do whatever it takes to see people come in the family of God. If you're not comfortable with that, it may, this may be your exit ramp to find another church. Sorry, I don't mean to be mean or bold, but I want to be honest. If that means tearing down a wall, if that means changing a service time, if that means meeting outside, inside, on the roof with a bullhorn, with no microphone, whatever it means, we are going to do whatever it takes to see the family of God grow. If that pushes you out of your comfort zone, this may be a good time to say, God, am I in the right spot? Because the imminent return, I believe, of the Lord Jesus Christ could be any moment, any day. And the last thing that I want, being one of the leaders of this church, is have Jesus stand before me and go, what was your problem? Were you afraid of what somebody was going to think for you to take that step of faith? He's the one that I'm answering to. And if anything that I could be terrified about, that's one thing that's good to be terrified about. I want to tell you today, you're a part of the family of God. You're a part of the family of Crossroads. We love each other. Part of the mantra of what we do here at Crossroads is a Christ-centered community. That's the C. R, real relationships. O, opportunities to serve. S, a place that we can serve. S, the second S, a shelter. There's ever a place in our community where people needed a shelter. Tell me what day is more important than today. Oh my gosh. Have you ever been afraid and then you experience the powerful peace of family? Man, I remember growing up. <laughs> we had a little rental house while my mom and dad were building way out in Walnut Grove. Heath knows where this is way out in Pauline. Two-room house. My mom and dad affectionately called it the sugar shack. And I remember one night, gosh, I, I probably was 15, my sister was, would have been 12, and we were out in the middle of the boonies, and there had been houses broke in, and I remember one night there was this loud rattling at the door, and I remember my dad got up, it was probably 11 o'clock, and he went to the door, opened the door, nobody there. And he knew enough of what had been happening five miles up the street at the next house, and five miles this way at the next house, what it might be, it might have been an, an intruder. I remember he grabbed his gun, and my mom, he gave her the, another gun, and they went out the front door, and they went around this little four-room house, and I remember being however old, 14, 15 years old I was, I was, talk about terrified. One reason I was terrified is I thought, I'm getting ready to see the OK Corral in, in live practice right here, because they're going to be going all cr crazy out there. But I remember they kind of did their survey and they went around the house and they came back in, didn't find anybody. And I, I will never forget the peace that I felt of just going, wow, 
They protected us. They walked around. They made sure everything's safe. We're back in here. We're with family. We're with family. And my heart is when you come into this place, and this is why worship is so important. When you're in your small group, which is why small groups are so important. Yes, you hear me hitting that drum? Small groups are important. Small groups are important. Small groups are important. None of us can know what's happening with 150, 160, 170, 250 people. However many God keeps sending here, that's why small groups are important. When you step into that small group, that Sunday school class, and you're able to share and you experience the peace of family, there, there is nothing, no thing, there's nothing like experiencing the power of the peace of family. Remember, you're part of a family. But here's the third thing we see in these verses. The angel says, today in the city of David, there's been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. A Savior who is Christ the Lord. Here's the, here's the third thing. If you want to be not afraid, you've got to rest in the grace of Jesus. See, the remedy for fear, the solution to finding peace, is resting in the grace of Jesus. That's why there's so, term, so much turmoil, chaos, angst, anxiety, and terror in our world. Is most people have not found that they can rest in the grace of Jesus. In all likelihood, these shepherds that the angel appeared to were ordinary people, but they probably had a special assignment. If you look at where this happened and you study the geography where this happened, we know how in the temple, both morning and evening... That an unblemished lamb was to be offered as a sacrifice to God. And so to, to see and to ensure that that supply of unblemished lambs was always there, the temple authorities had their own private stock. Their own private sheep flocks, if you will. And we know that those sheep were pastured right there near Bethlehem. So could it be, I don't know, I'm just throwing this out, but could it be that these shepherds, who were in charge of the flocks, were in charge of the sheep that were going to be offered in the temple offerings. What a crazy thought to think that if that was the case, these shepherds who were in charge of the sheep and the lambs that were going to be taken to the temple offerings for those lambs to be sacrificed were also in charge of watching the Lamb of God as a baby be born who would also give his life as a sacrifice. I don't know. Some biblical scholars think that might have been the case. What was that baby there for? Why did Jesus come? He came to be the Lamb of God to take away the sins of the world. Jesus Christ, the Messiah. Are you afraid today? Are you afraid that your, uh, your efforts aren't good enough? Are you afraid your good deeds aren't good enough? Are you afraid there's some hoop that you have to jump through for God to accept you and say, I love you? If you're afraid of all those things, I'll tell you there's no, need, no reason to be afraid. You'll never be good enough. You'll never jump high enough. You'll never do everything that you have to do. But here's the good news. The glad tidings of great joy is you don't have to be good enough. You can't be good enough. Your righteousness and my righteousness, the Bible says, are as filthy rags. And if they were good enough, then the Lamb of God who came to take away the sins of the world, His crucifixion and resurrection would be useless, of course, but His birth would be a waste too. Why be born? 
Because that was his purpose. He was born to die. So I would ask you and myself today, are you resting in the grace of Jesus? Have you remembered you're part of the family? Have you received the good news of Christ? Would you pray with me? Lord, we love you today. We love you, God. Thank you for sending your son as a baby to live among us. It is, wow, mind-blowing for, for me that a sleeping baby in a manger, as the song says, what a strange way to save the world, that a sleeping baby in a manger would grow up, God in the flesh, to come live among us and show us what true joy and true peace is all about. Thank you, God, for doing that. Thank you. While you're praying this morning, our musicians are going to play and Joey's going to lead us in a song in just a moment. But while you're praying, could I ask you today to be honest with the Lord? It's one of the pastors here and the guy who does most of the teaching, I guess. I, I often drive home from this place on Sundays just asking the question of myself as well. Lord, did I do business with you? Did I do business with you? Because He's here. The Holy Spirit is here. And He wants to minister to you and speak to you. Yes, you don't have to visibly respond for God to do a work in your heart. That's true. But oftentimes it may be you responding that encourages someone else to do what God has laid on their heart to do. So in just a second, we're going to sing this song of invitation. And today if you'd say, Jack, wow, I, I, I am terrified. I am terrified about what's happening in my life, my family, my work, the world. Can I encourage you to come down and let's pray together? You can pray at these steps or we'll grab a chair and turn it around and you can kneel. However you wish to respond. I pray you'd be obedient to what God lays on your heart this morning. Father, we give you this time. Help us to decide to follow you in every area of our life. And to trust you and be not afraid because you are the one that can bring us peace because you are the Prince of Peace. In Jesus' name.